This is the Dare to Dream Physician Travel Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Waylee Gray. Hey, you know how many physicians today are feeling overwhelmed and trapped living that busy and unfulfilling life? Yet more than ever, we as physicians are keenly aware that life is precious and tomorrow is not guaranteed to anyone. My mission is to help physicians start living their best life now by discovering and achieving their wildest travel dreams. So come, join us on this journey. Welcome back to another episode of the Dare to Dream Physician podcast. I'm so excited you're here today. You're going to love this week's episode, which is part two of the interview with Dr. Latifah of MoneyFitMD. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to last week's episode, episode 48, Financial Liberation, also with Dr. Latifah, you'll want to go back and listen to that. You are going to get from both episodes so many gems. Let's dive in. Hmm. I, I, I want to go back a little bit because when you're talking about your story and, and this is for the, the audience that's listening are maybe still in training or are in quote, lower paying specialties. Cause when, when you said when you're in training, your finances were, were really stressful. Did that all of a sudden go away once you became a GI attending and assuming that the paycheck was way, way more at that point? I mean, did that solve your problems? No, it did not automatically go away. In fact, um, this is so it's it's so good to write things down. Sometimes I posted something in a Facebook group, in a private Facebook group. I posted it about five years ago and this was I was already an attending. And part of what I posted on there was the fact that I was I did still did not have money. And the reason I did not have money, though, was different. It wasn't because I didn't have money coming in. It was because I was giving all my money away. And that's why it's, it's like an, inter, that's why it's, you have to do the internal work. It's both the internal and the external work. Because here I was getting money, not wasting money in the sense of the world, but not realizing that I was still acting out of scarcity, out of guilt, because money is bad. Money changes people. When you hold on to money, those were all the thoughts that I had and I didn't even realize. So until I started doing that work for myself, that's when I started having money, which is I still give, but I give from a space of abundance. And I give from a space that actually feeds now, but also allows me to be positioned in a way to be able to give in future. And if I'm giving everything that I have right now and it's not growing, how am I going to make sure I'm putting myself in a place to be able to give for the long haul, if that makes sense? So your problems don't go away if you become an attendant. In fact, when I was going from fellowship to attending, no one asked me what I was going to do great with money. The question people asked me was, so what house are you going to buy? What purse are you going to buy? That was literally the question people asked me. And there's nothing wrong with buying a house. We did buy a house eventually. There's nothing wrong at all with buying a purse or anything like that. But I just want you to understand that when you're spending when your income does change, it is really important for you to make sure that you don't inflict your lifestyle at the extent 
of the increase in the paycheck that is coming. So if your paycheck goes up by, let's say, four times, it's okay if you want to inflate your life by one and a half times or whatever, right? Because ultimately, I want you to make sure that you're spending your money not just on consuming, but also on owning things where you're investing in what I call high-quality wealth items. Some people will call those assets. I call them high-quality wealth items because those may be things like buying a property that's going to cash flow or putting your money in a syndication or increasing what you're having partnership of through the stock market. So it's making sure we go from that shift of surviving to breathing, but understanding that your breathability, your that big side that you want to take as an attended, it's not based on the increase on the exponential increase that existed, you get to choose how much joy you get by yourself. It's like when you have ice cream, I love ice cream, right? You can indulge in that ice cream, right? And sometimes it's not the size of the ice cream that matters. It's how much enjoyment you're getting from each scoop that matters. And the same is with money. So if you think that buying something that's like $100,000 is automatically going to give you joy, sometimes buying $20,000 can give you just as much joy. And that's the work. That's the exercise that only those that are able to expand their mindset can do because now you're like, you know what? I can indulge no matter what. I can find joy no matter what. And guess what? It makes you a superwoman or superman because now you're like, it doesn't matter what's going on. I got this. I got this. It makes you pandemic proof when it comes to finances. It makes you recession proof when it comes to your finances. You're not thinking that if there's a recession, I'm not going to be able to buy as much. And suddenly my joy is going to go away because you were already economic proof to begin with. So now you have money and you can become other people's stimulus source of stimulus package. Because right now, I mean, we're recording this in May. We know that there's a recession that's already happening. That's probably going to get worse before it gets better. And honestly, my thought is I'm positioning myself, and this is what I'm teaching my women. I want us all to position ourselves to be the source of oxygen when the world may be in trouble. Like we get to be that for the world. And it's not a matter of waiting until that happens. It's by prepping right now so that no matter what happens, we already have our joy because our joy is not dollar dependent, right? But we also now have cash so that we get to be abundant in our giving, in our providing, and also in our investment. Because one day, a recession, I want y'all to be able to buy stuff. That's what's up. So we get to do all that. It's <laughs> uh, awesome. So you mentioned during the pandemic, when everyone else was freaking out about money, you're like, I'm fine. Was that the first time you realized that I got this from the time when you're struggling with money? I guess I, I want to know, was it that moment or was, was it a sooner moment when you're like, wow, I got this money thing down. I've mastered it. I, this is not a concern. When did you have that sense? So I probably had that sense about two years before the pandemic that I, okay, I now I figured money out. I figured money out. I know money is not hard. I now know how to simplify it, how to explain it to people. I was already seeing the people that I was helping, like my friends, my colleagues, their money was already changing. You know, and some of them are not like in fancy professions. I mean, they're physicians, but pediatrician, primary care doc, maybe GI doc, like different. So I already saw the result of the work that I, mm-hmm. I already saw it in my own life. And it's not just about I have money, but it's also I know how to create money. Mm-hmm. So that was already stuff that was already happening. But in terms of being officially claiming that identity as someone that can actually officially 
teach people and have a business, that was when I was, so the pandemic also forced me, for lack of a better term, to see the desperation that existed outside and the fact that I had a tool and I could help. And so that was what the pandemic did. And also I found out about some other life coaching stuff that I already had some of that stuff going on in my life anyways. And now I was able to find a place that could teach me the framework of the life coaching stuff so that the stuff I was already doing and helping people with, I could now create a system around it. So suddenly it was like, that was not a fluke. You know how it is. Most times we don't think about how our families run. We get up, we take care of ourselves. If you have kids, take care of your kids. You don't think about your schedule. You just do it. And then when someone's like, so how does your family run? Like, can you talk to us about the schedule? And that is, that's actually more like real in my life right now because we're interviewing all pairs. And like, actually, there's a framework to my life, right? So the same thing, when I found out about more structured coaching, life coaching training programs, I realized that everything that I'd been doing and teaching my women that are already creating results, even before I became a coach, I was like, oh, there's a system to it. Now let's just learn the system so that what I've already been doing, I can now formulate it better and serve my women in a way that is even bigger, in a way that is more official and then money fit empty happened. Mm, I love that. And can you share with the audience, especially when what what you're teaching physicians and then also what you sort of what you taught yourself that where you got to the moment of, aha, I, I got this. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm good at this. Money is working for me instead of the other way around. And what are and, and you start you, you've, you've been talking about a lot of this, but what are the strategies or, or is it I know it's a mindset mindset's a big part of it. What are maybe share a few things that you think are, are so key to, to help people. Absolutely. So when I the framework that I sort of teach in my program is I. I break it down into three parts. So there's a financial education piece, right? You need financial education and it's not financial education in a way that's grindy, in a way that is so that you can just brag. It's like productive. So I teach women like what I call the 20% that they need to achieve 80%. And it's literally things like looking at how do you look at your money? Where is your money coming from? Where is your money going? And a lot of times, even yesterday, I still had someone tell me that, oh, I don't, I've tried every app. I've tried every system. It's not working for me. I'm like, let's stop giving our power away to apps. I use apps, but you don't have to, right? And it's a question of asking, where is my money going right now? Is it adding value? Am I getting value in exchange for the money that I'm paying? Am I getting value to the extent of the amount that I'm paying, right? Six months from now, am I going to be glad that I spent this money or am I going to wish that I had the money back? If we use that frame to look at where our money is going, most people would cut down a lot of things that are not adding value to their life. So that's number one, because ultimately I want women to have more money. I want you to make money. But if you're making a ton of money and it's going into a leaky bucket, you're not going to have money. And so that part is really important in talking about. So that's, I don't talk about budget in the traditional sense of the word. If the traditional works for you, great. If it doesn't work for you, I call it the spending plan, right? So that's literally what I just talked about right now. And I always ask people too, looking at what you're spending, is this the best deal that I'm getting for it? Or do I want to look for other options? I've had people find thousands of dollars by simply doing what I just talked about right now. So if you're listening to this, it's okay if you want to pause and replay that part 
but ask yourself those questions. Look at your last month's statement. Look at that and just don't judge yourself. Just be curious only. And I want you to mark down the things that are not adding value to your life that you may have to spending money on. Maybe it added value in your life six months ago, but maybe it's not adding value right now. So maybe in the pandemic, you signed up for a bunch of stuff and now it's no longer adding value. Maybe two months ago, you signed up for stuff. It's no longer, now it's just decluttering is all you're doing, right? And just mark what you can get rid of in that regard. Because ultimately, if all you find is even $1,000, I'm going to tell you what $1,000 can do right now. It can get you a weekend in Lake Tahoe and that would be fabulous, right? So it's not just about saving for the sake of saving. It's spending your money in a way that adds value to your life, augments your life and builds you wealth, right? If you had $1,000 right now extra, that's already there, what can you donate to? If you already have, what can you buy in the stock market? So you can see how this is not about like suffering or starving or taking your joy away. It's about just redirecting your funds and just saying, okay, I made decisions in the past. That's what I'm seeing now. Is this what I want to see six months from now? If that's not the case, then you get to change it. So that's number one. The mindset part is huge, of course. It's huge because it's not just mindset. It's also about the emotions behind why we do what we want to do or not. In fact, yesterday I was speaking at my workshop about diversifying income source, like simplifying and diversifying income source. And I shared the fact that a lot of us leave money on the table. We maybe are not negotiating our income. Maybe we're underbilling. Maybe we have services we're providing, but we're undercharging from that. Not because we don't know the how, but because of our minds, the sentence in our brain that we pick that is making us talk ourselves out of the things that we know we can be great at, right? So sometimes people would say, I don't know how to diversify my income source. I always call BS on that because if I let them, they would tell me all the 10 ideas they've had, but never executed. So that's how the mindset part comes into place. It's the things we're talking ourselves out of, the things that we could be doing because when we help you learn how to stop talking yourself out of stuff, suddenly you're like momentum. You're doing crazy stuff. You're making changes. You're growing in leaps and bounds. So the mindset part absolutely has to do with that. If you're thinking about investing in stuff like real estate, I had someone literally tell me they've been thinking about investing the last five years. They've taken every program that exists to learn how to. So they have the financial, the education, but they're not taking the actual steps because they're talking themselves out of it. I don't have time. It is hard. I'm going to lose money. Those are all sentences in our brain and literally the mindset or the mentality of success is how to pick the right sentences in our brain that actually helps us move forward. Okay? Mm. And then the last part is what I call the relationship. That is core. And that is maybe part of my secret sauce. Um, and it's because nobody talks about this. When it comes to relationship, there's relationship with you, yourself. If you have money and you feel like you're the shittiest person in the world, of what value is that? Right. And I remind people that our relationship with things are literally our sets of thoughts about them. So our thoughts about ourselves is important. Like, how do you think about yourself? Do you think you have value? Do you think you're amazing? And it's okay. I don't think I'm amazing all the time, but most of the time I think I'm I'm good. I'm okay. Right. But if your predominant thought about yourself is I suck, I don't deserve money, I'm bad with money, I'm never going to do great things in life. It doesn't matter how much 
cash you have, you're always going to have that baggage with you. So the relationship part is the relationship with yourself, your relationship with money, and your relationship with other humans. And those are all part of what I believe is essential in creating a wealthy life. And those are the things that I help women build upon in the Money Fit Empty Money School. Wow. Wow. Those are amazing. Uh, Just amazing strategies. And you've really simplified because it it does cover, cover it all. I was hoping uh, I have a confession as, as a money coach, I was hoping that you were going to say, oh yeah, people don't need to budget. That's like old school. (laughs) But what I loved about what you share about budgeting or spending plan or whatever is the word that resonates with you to, so that you can start doing it is the way you approach it, because I think a lot of people, when they budget, it, it does come from this place of dread and restriction. And it's, it comes back to the third item, which is the relationship. There's a language we, we use when we're looking at our budget. There's a lot of judgment. And, and this is where you're changing the language of even how we think about the spending plan. Personally, I try to make it as simple as possible. I pay off my credit card every month, but I actually like having the credit card. So I can actually see instead of me having to track it, <laughs> if I were to use cash, I could see where the money's going. Um, and, and, but it's, it's the, just, just talking about it as this is a value system, right? Instead, you know, it's, it's not shameful. You're not, you're, you're not like out of control. And it's so lovely that the way, just the language that you use on the budgeting and then, oh, the mindset piece, of course, so that's what we've talked about for a lot of this episode. But one of the examples that you mentioned was negotiation. And I see this, I, I've definitely heard other physicians say this. They're like, well, I don't want to ask for more money, even though the market would suggest that they could ask for more money because I don't want to seem like I'm greedy or I like physicians already make a lot of money compared to the janitors or physicians already make a lot of money compared to another occupation in the hospital. And what I usually tell them is I, I am still going to ask for what I'm worth and I could do whatever I want with that money. I could donate it back to the hospital if I want to. I could, you know, donate it to charity. I, I can give 100% of it away, but I'm still going to negotiate because that also, that has other impact, right? Because the way we show up, the way we ask for our value, whether it's at work or somewhere else, that also affects other people because other people are going to see how you advocate for yourself and they're going to start advocating for themselves. And then also when we advocate for ourselves, we often, you get in this habit of advocating and then you start advocating for others as well. So I think it's such an amazing way of working on our minds that we don't have to say, say these stories to ourselves that are not really working for us or, or the things that we care about. Absolutely. And I want the janitors to ask for more money too. Exactly. (laughs) I do. I really do. Let's do it. And you know what, though? It's harder for us to tell people to do what we're not doing. So if you don't feel comfortable, if you don't expand, if you don't sit down in that discomfort and let you grow and understand that that discomfort doesn't mean retreat, it could mean embrace. If we don't do that, how are we going to The janitor also has the same thought you have. Why would I ask for more when there are people that don't have jobs, right? So there's always a sentence in our brain and we think it's because we already earned this amount of money. No, it's just what the human brain does. But if I'm not willing to do it, if I don't do it, how am I supposed to help the women physicians that I'm working with? How am I supposed to tell them, listen, I get it. I felt uncomfortable too, and I did it. 
you can do it. I promise you, if you are not comfortable asking for a raise, you're not going to help the janitor feel comfortable asking for a raise because it's the same sentence in the brain, just different scenarios. And we get to believe it so we can help other people do it too. Mm, yeah, that's, that, that's deep and so true. And and the third the the third item the relationships wow I love that I love that you say that's your magic sauce and what I'm hearing is a lot of it is you know, the kindness and the gentleness that was your original way that you started looking at money that was different than how other people talked about it can, can you give me an example of that perhaps where wow someone was maybe getting the two, other two items and then once they they got the relationship part but that's when everything came together. A hundred percent. I have a lot of examples and this is for women in my program. And also for those that are not in my program that I've actually gotten to teach, you're never going to think you have enough money. You're never going to feel wealthy if you don't get this third one into place. It's impossible. And I stand by that. Every example of money that is a bad example in the world is because of the absence of this third part. And I stand by that. (laughs) Right. And when I say relationship doesn't mean I'm better than anybody. I'm not. I truly believe that every human is equally amazing. I believe that our value was 100% the moment we're born. And there's nothing we can do. There is nothing you can earn. There's nothing you can be offered that's going to add more value to you as an individual because your value is already 100%. Because when you think that, everything else becomes like just little extensions of you, like mascara. That just improves your life. It doesn't matter if my boss says no when I ask for a raise. It doesn't mean that my value is less. Mm. It's just words. It's just their thoughts, right? So it doesn't diminish me, which means that I'm more comfortable asking for whatever because it doesn't diminish me, right? If I lose all my money in the world, it doesn't diminish me. You see what I mean? And part of the thoughts, an example of those thoughts was, There's a woman physician that is amazing. All my women are amazing, 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 right? She is hardworking, all that stuff. But then she just always thinks, she has this thought about herself that I'm never good at holding money. I'm never, and of course that shows up in life because when you think I'm never good at holding money, anytime money comes into your life, you're quick to want to let go of it. And for her working on that, it's like riding a bicycle, you exercise it every day. It's been helpful for her to see her value, to see her worth, see that, you know what, maybe I am good at money. Maybe I'm someone that can have control over money. Maybe I'm someone that can actually tell my money where to go. And suddenly she's, I'm paying off my debt. I'm having more fun with my kids, right? I am, you know, and making all these changes that is actually helping her have more cash. And at the same time as having more cash, it's just helping her lead a wealthier life. And that's what I'm all about. So Mm, this has been such an amazing conversation. I thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Dr. Latifa. I try to ask this at the end of every interview. The name of this podcast is called Dare to Dream Physician. And my why for having this podcast is to inspire physicians to one, discover what their true dreams are, not the dreams that somebody else had for them, but what is it? What, what are their dreams for their life? Because we only have one life and We don't know how long we're going to be here on earth. And so to help them start dreaming what their life is and to start living their true dreams as soon as possible. What words do you have for them? Listen, I mean, we're physicians. We know that life is valuable. We know that there's anything we've learned at all from the pandemic is the fact that nothing is 
predictable. We don't know what the future holds. I And I, I share the story that I've always been aware of that. I've had family members that I've lost at a relatively young age. So I've been aware of that. And then last year, I lost my dad, who was only 68, which would be three years after the traditional retirement age. So if my dad had done the typical stuff, it would have worked his entire life and would not be able to, I cannot wait till I retire. And it would have lived three years and died. Is that what we want, right? So for me, that's an additional lesson and an additional reminder that there is no, there can be extremism. There can be, let me suffer until I get here. But at the same time, it doesn't mean YOLO. And then you suffer when you're like age 65 and like, oh crap, I have nothing. There is a balance in the middle there. And I think that's what most physicians want. And so if you look around in the financial world, you may hear things like financial independent, retire early. I dare to say that most physicians don't even want to fire. Most physicians want to be financially liberated. They want to have money. They want to maintain autonomy. They want to be able to live their life right now and enjoy life and take a sabbatical if they choose to and take care and work part-time if they want to and work an extra shift if they want to and be able to speak in ways that improves patient care without worrying about their finances. And for me, that's what I think is most important. And if you have a life that's liberated, you will be financially independent because again, your value was never dependent on how much you had because you already had value. Your enjoyment was not necessarily with the magnitude of what you have. It's more of like the indulgent in the quality and not just the quantity only. So everything that I preach is 100% about that. And I love, love, love that you talk about life planning and creating your dream life now. And I believe that those two things together, they're like synergize, whatever. ESL, baby. (laughs) Synergy, yes, synergy. They're both the same. And that is what physicians want. Physicians want to live life well now. Mm. And they want to have the money to live life well now without sacrificing and worrying that they're not going to have in the future. And that's what we're all about here. So yes, absolutely. Oh, thank you so much. And I'm going to share your information in the show notes and share share how people can reach out to you. But I, I thank you so much for your time. This has been amazing. Thank you for having me. Thank you for what you do. And we would probably sit down and talk for another one hour if we didn't both have other stuff happening after this. So y'all are welcome. <laughs> Hey, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, please share it with a friend and go on your favorite podcast app to give us a five-star rating and a review. It really helps us to get the word out there. Also, I am really excited to announce I've started a online Facebook community for physicians. Go and search for Dare to Dream Physician Travel. That's the name of the Facebook group. If you have trouble finding us, the link is also in the show notes. I hope to see you on the inside. 